Session 4. Observation. An Overview. Introduction. The second component of effective Bible study is observation. This is simply a matter of paying close attention to what is going on in the passage we are reading. It requires being alert to the many clues biblical writers have given us about what they intended to communicate. In some ways, we must play the role of a detective who notices things that might otherwise be overlooked. The task of observation can be compared to a trip to New York City. The city is filled with so many sights, sounds, and smells that a visitor could easily miss some of the most important places in the city. If they do not pay close attention, they could walk right past the Empire State Building, Madison Square Gardens, or even Times Square and not notice. The same is true of the Bible. We can miss some of the most important things in the Bible unless we develop some skills in observation. This lesson will help us become more attentive to the text. Observation. Things to look for in general. Writers used a number of techniques to communicate their message. One most frequently employed by biblical writers was repeated words and ideas. They tended to come back to the same idea several times, often using the very same words. This was not because they did not know what else to say. It was because they wanted to make sure they made their point and that people remembered it. In the ancient world, few people could read or write, so most early believers could not pick up a scroll and read what a prophet had spoken, what Jesus had done, or what Paul had written. In order to help their readers hear the word of God, biblical writers frequently repeated their thoughts. If you think you have seen a word or phrase more than once within a particular chapter of the Bible, you are probably right. By underlining or circling those words, you will likely discover what the Bible writer felt was most important. Another technique used in Scripture is lists. Often, Bible writers listed items in order to make their message more memorable. For example, Paul identified the fruits of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in Galatians 5, 22-23. While these lists can identify several different aspects of an idea, often they were simply meant to clarify the meaning of one idea by using different words. For example, Moses asked what God required of people, and then he proceeded to list five things. Fear God, walk in obedience to Him, love Him, serve the Lord, and observe the Lord's commands. Deuteronomy 10, 12. These are not five different activities, but rather five ways of saying the same thing. This is what loving God with all of one's heart looks like. As attentive students of the Bible, we will also want to notice things that are contrasted. This technique of the biblical writers enabled them to heighten the meaning of an idea. For example, Paul stated that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Romans 6.23. One outcome is earned while the other is given. Paul accentuated the gracious gift of salvation by contrasting it with the idea of earning wages. One other item to be looking for is conditional sentences. Bible writers frequently use these to point out interdependence between thoughts. For example, in 1 John 1.9, the Apostle John writes, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. By setting up the conditional relationship between confession and forgiveness, John clarified their close connection. 
Things to Look For in Bible Stories A large portion of the Bible contains stories. While stories in some ways interpret themselves, we can gain a lot more if we remain attentive to the techniques good storytellers typically use. Since biblical writers excelled in relating stories, they spent time carefully developing the settings, characters, and plots of their stories. The effective study of Bible stories will pay attention to descriptions of the setting, such things as where and when the events happen, as well as what else is happening at the same time. This is the context in which the biblical author wanted his audience to understand the story. For example, the story of Ruth is introduced with a sentence, In the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. 1-1 This statement provides information about the time period as well as the immediate circumstances related to the story. From there, the storyteller conveys information about geography and the family situation that explained the dilemma of Ruth and Naomi. In addition to details about the setting, we will also want to take notice of what biblical authors tell us about the characters in their stories. Sometimes they will do this through direct description of actions or characteristics. But more often, the personalities of characters come through in dialogue. The Bible regularly lets us listen in on the conversation of characters. Questions that characters ask in particular are almost always significant. They often reveal the key point of a story. In the story of Ruth, we learn about her character mostly by what she says and what others say about her, as well as by what she does. The Bible writer never comments on her integrity or faith, but we hear her say, Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. We also hear the words of Boaz about Ruth. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. 3.11 The Bible writer also tells us how Ruth stayed with her destitute mother-in-law, left her homeland, worked hard in the fields in order to earn food, and eventually married a good man named Boaz. The third element to observe in stories is the plot, the movement of action toward a climax. By noticing how the action develops with its conflicts, suspense, and resolution, we can gain insight into the purpose of the story. The storyteller sets up the conflict in Ruth's story immediately by relating the deaths of her father-in-law, her brother-in-law, and her husband. Three widows must try to survive in a land of famine without a male protector. The move to Bethlehem provides hope but also further suspense. Will anyone help these poor women? The conflict is resolved when Boaz gains permission to marry Ruth and continues the line of descendants that would eventually include David. Things to look for in biblical poetry About 25% of the Bible is poetry. Most of this is contained in the latter half of the Old Testament, beginning with Job through Malachi. But there are also many other poetic lines elsewhere in Scripture. We will understand this poetry better if we take notice of the techniques biblical writers employed. Typically, they like to use word patterns, word play, and figures of speech in order to convey messages. They seldom used rhyme like we often do in poetry. These tools made their messages pleasing to read and memorable, but also allowed them to emphasize important points. Therefore, as we read poetic lines in the Bible, we will want to notice word patterns, such as parallel lines and chiasm. Biblical poets often echo their key ideas in successive lines, 
either by repeating, contrasting, or expanding the thought of the first line. They also frequently built up to a point step by step and then moved away from it in reverse order. This we call chiasm. Proverbs 12.2 illustrates all three of these elements at work. It reads, A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but the Lord condemns a crafty man. The thought in the second line about what the Lord condemns contrasts with the key thought in the first line about what the Lord favors. In addition, the two lines are laid out in a chiastic structure. The first line starts with a reference to a certain kind of man, then talks about what the Lord will do. The second line starts out with what the Lord will do, then identifies the other kind of man. We will also want to appreciate how biblical poets often begin or end successive lines with the same word or phrase in order to make a point. The first three lines of Psalm 29, for example, read like this. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Verses 1-2 through two. The repetition of ascribe to the Lord at the beginning of the first three lines builds intensity to the command to worship God. Biblical writers also like to use word pairs that naturally go together, like sun and moon, or day and night in Psalm 121.6. These convey a sense of completion or wholeness. Biblical poetics used many other kinds of wordplay that are only evident in the original languages of the Bible. These include alliteration, sound clusters, and puns. Such elements are difficult to translate into another language, so we cannot observe these very easily. One other important feature of biblical poetry to notice is figures of speech, like metaphors and similes. These give us pictures of the Bible writer's points so we can visualize what is being said. When these come up, we will need to ponder how one thing is like another. For example, we might consider how God is like a shepherd in Psalm 23 or a rock in Psalm 62. Read, reread, underline. In order to make these observations, we will need to read the passage we are studying several times. We might read it through rapidly at first. Then we should read it slowly, making ourselves pause at each period, comma, and semicolon. We might underline, highlight, or circle things that stick out to us with different colors if possible. Often, it is helpful to read a passage in different translations. One translation can alert us to things we may not have noticed in another. It can be helpful to read a passage in a literal translation like the English Standard Version or New American Standard Bible, as well as a paraphrase like the message. Adding a translation or two, like the New International Version or the New King James Version, can provide additional insight as well. Conclusion the kinds of observations we might make about a Bible passage are almost limitless. We've only touched on some of the most important elements. As we become more intentional about developing our skills of observation, we will also discover a deeper richness in the Bible passages. This will allow us to focus on the most important messages and not become distracted by our personal agendas. We certainly do not want to miss God's mission for us because we were only focused on our immediate desires or needs. Studying the scriptures carefully and fully will lead us into a profound encounter with our Savior and Creator of the universe. That encounter is well worth all the effort we give it. Application 1. 
Look at the learner objectives for this session. Can you recognize how important careful observation of Scripture can be? Make more informed observations of the biblical texts? List some things you will be looking for as you read Scripture. 2. Read Psalm 19, 7-14, and notice the pattern in each verse. How many different words are used to describe Scripture? How many ways does God's Word impact the life of the psalmist? 3. Reflect on Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 30-37. How does Jesus describe the setting and each character? What are the main components of the plot?